I'm Kathleen Durkin of Columbia University's Zuckerman Institute. And I'm Devin Powell of the Zuckerman Institute. Welcome to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus, a podcast that looks at scientists pivoting their work to combat this pandemic. Let's start today with a quick check-in. So three months ago, the World Health Organization officially declared coronavirus a pandemic. In June, the number of worldwide cases reached a record high. Uh, Across the city, across the country, across the world, people have developed a new habit, wearing face masks. Kathleen, what kind of face mask do you wear? Uh, We have a 50-pack of those disposable blue surgical masks and just grab a fresh one when we need it. How about you, Devin? Uh, So my favorite is a homemade mask that my sister sewed for me. It's actually covered with flowers. That sounds very fancy. But are we using masks correctly? How often do you change your mask or clean it? How are you supposed to clean it anyway? Researchers at Columbia are combing the scientific literature and trying to figure out how to make N95 masks safe to reuse. They're looking for a fast, effective, and easy way to sterilize them. Let's meet the team, starting with a Zuckerman Institute research technician who usually studies the brain. So my name is Tiffany Chen, and I'm a member of Rui Costa's lab. And normally, I work to understand what happens in the brain when we learn how to perform new skilled actions. So this has implications for understanding the pathology behind movement disorders, such as Parkinson's disease, and also compulsive behaviors. I actually worked directly with Leslie Seibner, who talked about the 3D print farm project on the first episode of this podcast. After her lab ramped down, Tiffany learned about a new project focused on face masks. It was coordinated by Columbia Researchers Against COVID-19, which goes by the acronym CRAC. We talked about this group back in our third podcast episode. I know from working in research labs how important correct PPE usage is. And when I saw this project description, I instantly thought of my parents who would text me questions about whether or not they should be wearing masks, when to wear masks, and if there are even ways to clean their masks. I realized that the public guidance on PPE has not been very clear. Tiffany has seen people do some strange things to masks. People literally cut up their masks to improve breathability by making a giant gaping hole in their mask (laughs) and effectively bringing the filtration efficiency and level of protection down to zero. So what people do is like they put it in the, they put their masks on the forehead, they rest it in their chin and they just generally walk around with them. That's postdoctoral research scientist, Ana Pessoa Pinharanda. She works in the Andolfato lab at Columbia's biological sciences department where she's usually studying fruit fly genomics. Now, she's a project leader for the mask reutilization effort. And then there's just people that like take their mask down, touch the railing, and then go and put their mask up again. People use their mask like they would put and take sunglasses off. um, And it's not really the same. Like they should always be on even when they're uncomfortable. One area where there's been a lot of confusion, Tiffany said, is how to clean masks. From the people that I've talked to and my friends and family members, they have these ideas in their mind of how they can sterilize their masks. And they think things like putting their mask under the sun for a while might, you know, inactivate the virus. They have tried a bunch of different 
methods such as spraying alcohol, which is not really great for masks. And so we kind of just wanted to go through and debunk all these ineffective ways of cleaning your masks because it gives people the false sense of security and we definitely don't want that to happen. So our goals for this project are to first validate and test methods of mass decontamination that can be performed safely at home. And we also want to interpret official guidelines and scientific literature to inform the general public on why PPE is important and how to use it safely. The members of our team started by reviewing the existing studies on different methods of mass decontamination. So there are three main methods of mask decontamination, UVC, uh, hydrogen peroxide vapor, and heat. Each of these approaches has its limitations, especially for people trying to sterilize masks in their homes. UVC stands for ultraviolet type C. It's a subtype of ultraviolet light that can inactivate viruses like COVID. But it's hard to use at home because the light has to penetrate every part of the mask's surface to be effective. Yeah, and hydrogen peroxide, well, that's not the liquid antiseptic you have in your medicine cabinet at home. We're talking about hydrogen peroxide as a gas, which can be very dangerous for home use. So that leaves heat, which seemed like a promising avenue for everyday people, especially those who rely on masks at work and need to decontaminate those masks at home. There's people around New York and around the world that work in nursing homes, in Amazon, in taxis that have no way to decontaminate. And so for those people, we thought the best method for them to do it safely in their own home would be to use heat. There are experiments practically showing that the virus is inactive after being exposed to heat, which just basically means that it can't infect any new cells. But the exact steps and the exact like temperature ranges, that's not in the literature to the best of my knowledge. The team started looking for ways to heat up masks at home. We set out to determine which everyday household appliances can be used reliably to generate and sustain the amount of heat needed to inactivate the virus. But at the same time, these appliances should not overheat and damage the mask in a way that significantly limits its efficacy and longevity. So through our experiments, we hope to see if and how household appliances can be used to decontaminate a mask and how many times a mask can be decontaminated without compromising its structural integrity and thus efficacy. So we looked around and we started listing down appliances that a common house would have. It was sort of a process of elimination, like a microwave can heat, but that can be quite dangerous because masks have metal. A tumble dryer sort of works, but they don't have specific temperature ranges, so it'd be difficult. The issue with the hairdryer is that we would have to develop some sort of contraption where the mask would be inside a bag, because if you're just blowing heat onto the mask, you could just spreading all the viral particles. So then we thought about a regular oven. The issue with the regular oven is that most ovens don't get to low enough temperatures that the mask would withstand. The researchers settled on a few kitchen appliances. And so we will be subjecting 
um, N95 masks to multiple rounds of decontamination and then fit testing them with the help of Columbia Environmental Health and Safety. Once we submit our experimental findings for peer review, we plan to launch a website and public awareness campaign on how people can best use and care for their own PPE. We're just focusing on N95s because N95s are very regulated. So any advice that we give from the literature, we know that it applies to all N95s, whether cloth masks or surgical masks are less well regulated. So it would be harder to make it would be harder to release um, advice on how to decontaminate them that would apply to all of them. Tiffany, Anna, and the rest of the team are not ready to make any recommendations yet for how to decontaminate a mask. The science is still being done. They're waiting for the results. That's how science works. But Tiffany does have one solid piece of guidance for all of you mask wearers out there. One of the main messages that are missing from the current narrative is the importance of mask fit. So a lot of people assume that just by owning an N95 or surgical mask, they're automatically protected by putting it on their face. But that's not true. A mask works because you are breathing air in and out through the fabric. So the air is actually traveling through the fibers of the mask and thus being filtered. The mask needs to fit your face in order for effective filtration to occur. If the air is not traveling through the mask and instead escaping through any gaps, then you're effectively not filtering that air. So that mask becomes ineffective. And there have been studies that have shown that the filtration efficiency can drop up to 80% just by having gaps in your mask. For example, one study showed that an N95 mask can go from having a 99.9% filtration efficiency to only about 12.2% filtration efficiency, which is extremely low and offers little protection. So we recommend that you test the fit of your mask and make sure that there are no air gaps um, and leakage, significant leakage throughout in order for the mask to be effective. Thanks for listening to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. Take a look at the show notes for links to all the things we discussed, including links to relevant scientific papers. You can find all of our episodes at zuckermaninstitute.columbia.edu or on iTunes. Take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. Special thanks to Rui Costa, Jennifer Ferris, Elizabeth Hillman, the researchers who sat down with us for this episode, and the entire Zuckerman team. The music was provided, as usual, by Miguel Zanon, jazz artist-in-residence at the Zuckerman Institute. And if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Zuckerman Brain. But before we go, Kathleen, I think you had one last question for our researchers today. What is the first thing you plan to do post-pandemic? I guess I would actually like to just meet the people I've been working with on this project face to face. And it's pretty incredible how close we've all gotten without even meeting in person. I'd love to go out and dance, to be in like a big club with lots of people spilling drinks. I don't put this on the podcast, but that's like, I just, that's what I want to do. I want to be in like a sweaty New York club with lots of people.